On this episode of Spiritual Hustle, uh, we welcome author and astrologer John Fife to the podcast. John um, has put out a book on palmistry, the introduction of palmistry, and next year in 2019 is going to be a big year. Uh, he's coming up with a book on astrology and two novels. John, welcome to Spiritual Hustle. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And welcome everyone as well. John, um, one of the things we wanted to talk about uh, or start the discussion with is, um, is there any proof that astrology works? Well, amongst astrologers, we'd say yes. And amongst other people, uh, they would uh, scratch their head about it. But um, for me, obviously, you want to see the proof um, in the pudding, so to speak. And uh, I've seen it countless times. Okay. And and then sometimes you think it's the area that you're pinpointed uh, a certain transit's coming from left field, and you see that oh that's what's going to happen. But it comes from center field or right. But I know it comes from it does hit the outfield. You know the energies um, um, certainly get activated in all our lives. So uh, there's one book that I read um, called Astrology Really Works. It's uh, by the Magi Society. They're based on Chinese astrology, and they and they put together, according to this book, a lot of research. Um, and they were able to use they use declinations, not just uh, aspects and houses. So, using declinations and super aspects, they were able to um, like identify super aspects that uh, contributed to extremely successful people. In all and in all the cases where they looked at successful companies and people. They all had these super aspects. Yes. So that was the interesting thing to me about astrology. Like when I read that, I thought, well, there must be something to this. So that's what got me very excited about astrology. Yeah, and it's true what you say, those special aspects. You look at the famous people and, you know, say a musician. One musician is um, uh, as, as good as the other, and yet one makes it and the other doesn't. And those are special aspects that that individual has in their chart. And aspects like the sun, all the planets, we have you know, Mercury planets, sun, moon, Venus, they all have specific meanings, Jupiter and Saturn. The sun is dynamism and one's fortune and fame in life. And often enough, we see with famous people or people that have risen and are recognized, the sun is in their 10th house. And the tenth house is the most powerful house in the chart, the Midhaven house, and so it will accelerate that uh, type of energy. Uh, so when you see Sun is there, you know, Saturn is more an energy that will be f- focused and build the foundation, but not all seen in the limelight. So a Saturn energy in the tenth house would still bring them in a different way, some um, uh, solidness in what they're doing. But the Sun gives the, the recognition, so that's one aspect. But there are other, there's three, four other aspects that we look at. And, um, you know, another interesting uh, situation was there was three hockey players in uh, Montreal playing junior hockey, well, I guess 30 years ago. They called them the three Denise. I think it was Denise Sear, Denise Savard, and I can't remember the other Denise. They were all on the same team, same birthdays, born the same year. Now, Denis Savard was a high draft pick, and uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens, who should have took him, passed on him, and he went to star for Chicago. The other two Denis didn't make it to the NHL. And you say, well, they, were, they got the same birthday, the same. What would make that happen? Well, they had different birth times, and they were born a couple hours apart or maybe even uh, further. 
apart. And it made a difference. And the Denis Savard had the strongest 10th house, the fame. So when you look at all these factors, um, you, you do see the links. John, the, the main thing we wanted to cover in this um, podcast was uh, the, the major planetary uh, transits that happened last year in 2018 and the ones that are coming next year in 2019 and the years beyond that, uh, with a mind to the financial markets in North America, specifically Canada and the U.S. Can we get a little bit into that now? Like what transits you saw in 2018 and what's coming? Yes. Um, 218 was a hammering that most people I w- most people have felt the effect of, you know, various, many clients I have, friends, and so forth, you know, um, they say they're not feeling, they're not the same as they were, you know, uh, from the last two years, and they're feeling a disconnect that has occurred, disconnecting their friends, their family, uh, many clients ask, say to me that they don't feel they want to be here anymore. And it's not that they want to jump off the bridge. They just don't feel that connection. And they're saying, I, I speak with friends, family members, and it's only one-sided conversation. They don't listen. And I got to agree. And I'd rather not get into conflict. So it's what it is, it's a split reality that's uh, been occurring. And I believe that has been occurring since 2012. It's two realities that um, uh, people are um, living in. And the mainstream is high. It's got a higher percentage. You know, call it seventy-five percent, eighty percent, are enforcing that their belief system of this this reality. Now, due to your your questions, it's like uh, of the transits, the planets and transits. Two eighteen escalated much. It escalated a lot of fear with people, and these were transits that were came from eclipses. Eclipses occurred in July and August, but in the meantime, what was going on was there were two other planets that were involved nearby those eclipses. Mars was one of them, and Mars is the thunderbolt. When it gets into that area of the ecliptic points, it becomes quite um, reactive and um, um, impatient, angry. All All of those vibrations were triggering with certain uh, people. And then the eclipses will cause emotional uh, turmoil inside and vulnerability. And so it's almost that others are not feeling as much the anger, they're feeling the fear. And so then we backtrack and say, well, we got to understand how, what occurs when we have these transits. And we had an onslaught of transits for 218. but if we go back into the period of 1993, we had a conjunction of two outer planets, Uranus and Neptune. And this conjunction lasted nine months. And um, and so, and then they moved away from each other. And nine months isn't two years, but we said, well, what took place? First off, Uranus is a planet that stands for inventions. It's a higher octave of the Mercury planet. And it's all forms of communication. Both planets stand for communications. Uranus is also, we say, electronic inventions. And if you look back to 93, it was when the internet became worldwide used. And after that, every electronic gadget began to come out. DVDs replaced VHS and uh, cell phones and became um, uh, more in use with the, the, the masses of people. So it's, you know, it set a precedent, that, uh, that transit. But Neptune, on the other hand, is a planet that stands for um, 
surreal. What would you say? It's nebulous. It's fog-like. It's surreal. Virtual reality world came in in 93. Programs like Big Brother and the X Factor began. People began to date online rather than meeting people. So the Neptunian energy brought in this virtual reality world. So those two, that, those two planets in transit together set a precedence for our lifestyle for the next 20 years. And um, then we came into 212, and everybody was expecting and hoping that there would be a great um, opening and change and a higher vibration amongst people, 212, the end of the Mayan calendar. Well, the transit that was occurring at that this time was Pluto and Uranus were in a square to each other. And that's a square is a 90-degree angle, one planet at 12 o'clock, the other at 3. And this square really lasted for almost three years. So it's an unprecedented long time, you know, compared to the nine-month transit of Uranus and um, Neptune. And what do they stand for? Well, again, we have Uranus is about change, freedom. For ch It's the only planet that stands for freedom. And shocking changes can be had for your freedom. And Uranus says, if you want to make a change in your life, you can, can take my door. And people go running to that door saying, I, I want to change. But then you get to the door and it says, you're going to have to uh, downsize. You're going to have to give up a lot of things before you can get into this door. You can't keep your two, three cars and all your stock in your house. And it's got to be, you got to change. And people back up and say, I can, I'll come back to this door. Yeah, it's funny uh, that you say that. It, it's like, a, it's one of these funny things where people tell me all the time that they want to change and then you tell them how to change and suddenly they don't want to change. Exactly. It's like, it's like I don't think you wanted to change in the first place. I think you just wanted somebody to complain to. Yeah. That's well, they want to change, but they want to you know, no. keep, keep their ways and you know, I want people to change. I want them to change the way they talk to me. But could you change a little bit? No, not me. <laughs> exactly. It's like, a, it's like there's literally only one person in the universe that you can change. And, uh, and that's the person who has to change if you want to change. Um, right. I guess my question for you is um, going back to like how this stuff affects people. Um, like how, how would you say like the, the, this stuff affects people? Like, like if somebody, cause that's like a, a question that, that I get handed to me a lot when I bring up astrology is, uh, is like, how do these rocks in the sky um, <laughs> um, affect us? And, and, you know, my, I, you know, I'll let you answer the question, but it's like, it, those rocks are bigger than they, they look. Or why do they affect us negatively? That's the question I get. That's why? usually, it's usually, yeah, I tried to frame it like positively. <laughs> no one ever, no one ever thanks Jupiter uh, um, when something good happens, but they, they feel need to blame it when something bad happens. Exactly. But, but yeah, go ahead. Well, Jupiter can be an expansive nature and give you things, but it can also bring an arrogance in a person and you know, a narcissism that they want more and more and more. It's all depending where and how it's placed in the chart. So what I tell people is that the planets aren't meant to govern us. We're meant to work the, uh, the planetary energy, and they affect us in three-dimensional world uh, because we're not moving on. We're not moving forward. And, um, you know, for instance... Uh, a person, they reach 36, 37, there's an energy called Pluto squaring Pluto. You know, this is midlife crises change, and it, it will change people. Uh, mostly it will. So, you know, the person as a transit, as we're referring to your question, mm -hmm. um, 
they've been irritating, not happy in their job. It's been going on for years. They've been going to quit for years, and they haven't. They want to make that move. And even their relationships no longer working well, or their marriage. And they're thinking, this is not, how long is this going to happen for? And then one day they go into work, and they've been laid off. And then they go home, and the other half is leaving them. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they said, this is the worst thing. How could this ever have happened to me? What's going on? So the planet's hit us when we don't move we're moving forward and we get to we're, we're meant to be at point evolving and we're get to at, at point b the planetary energy that's to hit us it hits us at point a it has less of an impact but because we are hesitant about that change as you said before people want to make the change and then they don't then the transit will hit us and we're still at point a mm. and then that's when the disaster happens yeah um and yeah it's kind of like um it's almost like consciously trying to fight puberty. Like I, I don't want to grow up and, and it's like, yeah, you, your body doesn't care. It's going right. to gonna age a little bit. Um, and, and voices crack and stuff like that. Is that make, does that make sense a little bit? Is it it's does. a constant flow and to, ignore, and to ignore these, uh, these bodies is, um, you know, a, it's silly. It's it's as silly as trying to ignore the sun when you're trying to hang out outside and it's raining out, and it's like, you yeah, have to factor that in. Right. Well, so, so the goal of me speaking right now is is to just bring this down to earth a little bit for people who um, are are to walk on eggshells when they talk about astrology, mm-hmm. and to say that hey, this isn't just you know. Uh, opening up your newspaper and reading what some uh, fortune cookie guy wrote um, for that day. That's true. And just put it into mainstream. I mean, you can tell a story because what we're uh, having with eclipses, and by the way, just to finish, uh, the Uranus uh, Pluto uh, is about transformation and a, a change at, at all costs. And so that transit of 212 that lasted over three and a half years will take as long as it's going to take for change to happen. And change for, um, you know, um, when we say the word transformation, Pluto is called the, known to be an energy like the atomic bomb. It, it will not allow you to um, uh, hide under the carpet. It's going to keep opening up things, exposing. That's so a, that's what, yeah, sorry. That, that's interesting because um, everyone knows what plutonium is. Yeah. And, uh, and then you called it like an atomic bomb. So it's, that's, I don't know, it just found that interesting but go ahead so then the transits you know when you say you know you start noticing things and like eclipses happen every six months and you know two weeks apart full moons this one this time we'll have in january 6th we're going to have uh, a partial solar eclipse and followed by two weeks later um the full moon eclipse so uh, and then six months later again this will reoccur but eclipses have an interesting energy and, you know, there could be a superstition, um, you know, go back to the caveman days, if there ever were cavemen, um, and, you know, and looking at the moon and, and uh, the, the eclipse of the moon being terrified of it. But the energy of the eclipses um, can reoccur a story in your life. And so, to me, it comes to a checkpoint that we had three eclipses in uh, July and August of 218. And uh, very powerful ones they were. And it can be at that time, not can be, most likely there is some form of a storyline that took place with this. And 
a storyline doesn't have to be, you know, the most extraordinary story. It could be, for instance, a relationship started. Well, six months later, we have an eclipse again. It will open up the door to see if there's um, some shadows involved in that relationship, if it's going to actually work. It's usually the case in between eclipses when you sign contracts, papers, or start a relationship. It's not going to work very well in the long term. And in that time after time, you know, uh, uh, you know, a small story is that um, I was in Ontario going to, um, I was in Toronto going to England uh, two years ago, and um, I was trying to avoid flying in between eclipses and things like that. But there it was, I was flying out two days after one, but two days that uh, day before I get a call from the bank and saying, um, asking if I was in Asia because someone's using my card. Card, credit card has been compromised. So I said, well, no, I'm here, obviously. And um, so before I flew out, I had to get to the bank and get a new card. And you know, it was just a bit of a headache and uh, a minor headache. And then that was it. Six months later, I was back in Toronto and I was uh, going to do a workshop. And I was out in the countryside, friend's house. And um, I get a call just before I was leaving. I had a long, bit of a long drive. And it was the bank. And asked me if I was in Hong Kong because my card has been used or been compromised. And this was, again, another eclipse occurring. Hmm. So, and I didn't even realize. I just, what the hell's going on? You know, here's another, you know, this happened before, and I was driving now to the bank to get a new card, and I said, this happened the last time there was an eclipse. So, point is, is that... Yeah, yeah go on. Make, no, no, make your point, please. Point is, there's a storyline, how minor it can be, gets repeated or it can get uh, uh, reviewed. I didn't know that. Okay. Going in. And, um, I don't know if you, I, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I don't know if you know the, the, the lining of the, um, I think the first eclipse, um, oh, yeah. went right over Charleston and all the scientists were here and everything. And, um, it was awesome, but, um, I had a lot of work to do that week and my internet dropped out. So while the, while it was in eclipsing, I was speeding down the highway going as fast as I could to Comcast to get a new box um, uh, a little new modem. And, um, so I sat in the, um, in the Comcast, um, drive parking lot watching the eclipse and it was great and everything. And, and I swear this just, you, you just hit on something that, that I just wanted to say because, um, a few months later, um, after that first eclipse, um, the, I moved to a new place and I needed to get another new modem. And as it turned out, the, there was an eclipse the, the day before. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I would never would have noticed that unless you, unless you, we were talking right now. Yeah. So it's, after a while, I got to notice it myself, and you don't read that so many in so many books that you know that type of um, situation occurs. I, I have a couple of colleagues in Montreal, and we constantly talk about you know the reoccurrence of such a thing. I lived in Ireland for about quite a number of years, and there was a couple that I worked with out of their um, holistic store. And during the eclipse, they had uh, a disagreement. It turned into an outright big argument, which was really not their nature. And they almost broke up. And uh, you know, cooler heads prevailed, and uh, they said they were going to do uh, definitely work together to be uh, change whatever has occurred or work with it. And but things got back to normal, and um, everything was uh, you know back in harmony. And then six months later, an eclipse occurred. And they broke up. Wow! 
So now let, let's, if you don't mind, let's talk about a little bit about fate and um, um, how fate kind of gets involved with this stuff. Because the way that I learned astrology was um, was from a guy who said, hey, you can, it's good to know that when these things are happening, like it's good to know when you're about to go into a river where the rapids are. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean to just lay there like a dead log. women. <laughs> Um, so is, is that correct when we're talking about astrology? Like, like, you know, something's going to happen, like just be more conscious and, um, and prepare as opposed to just lay there like the log. Exactly. It helps, you know, basically it's a, it's a guideline. That's what I tell people, you know, this is your guide. You, you know, you, you can give you other choices or why react? You may react during this time because you have a Mars with Saturn, which is always about reaction and you may overreact. So if you can do your best, hmm. it's not like no reaction if someone slaps you in the face, but you need to not go overboard. So it's, yeah, it's good to know, you know, and also it's good to know that why are you swimming upstream in that river? The, the rapids are getting hard and rough. You could just get to the bank and walk, uh, um, you know, 50 yards away and get back in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, true. It's like, uh, yeah, if you know something's coming, it's like, get all your stuff out. And yeah. Smoother, smoother waters come. It, that's that whole principle of uh, vibration and, and rhythm and all this stuff. Um, acting, acting against con- the, that, that's why our consciousness is here. So, um, so yeah, Anthony, you, you got anything else on that? I, I didn't, John, I didn't know whether I was going to get into this, but, um, it might be a good segue. Uh, wh- I've been in India a few times and, um, when I was in India, I met with, uh, astrologers that, um, from what I was told that they were quite famous in India, that they, every major company and every major politician uses an astrologer in India. Um, Astrology is so embedded in the fabric of life there that I don't think to them there's no question that it works, right? And people with money mm-hmm. use the best astrologers. And this guy was like one of the best astrologers evidently in India. And we had a discussion about um, definitely astrology can tell you where the rough patches are so that you can avoid them or lessen them or, or take uh, um, defensive actions, right? But then mm-hmm. we started getting into this further discussion um and then he, he started pulling out some other techniques that he uses that he said are very um very secretive and he started uh-huh. he started hinting to the point that uh, he didn't think there was any r- real free will that everything was was determined by the stars um i i don't f- actually I, I guess i'm um i don't want to believe that <laughs> <laughs> But I, I was I was wondering if you ever came across that that discussion in your travels. Have you been to India? I've been to India sixteen times. Right. Have you studied with any like astrology masters in India? Yeah, that's where I studied the, okay, the, uh, the astrology and the okay. palmistry. I studied also um, actually in Canada with Indian um, um, teacher. teachers. Teachers. So did this topic ever come up with, with any, in, any of your discussions? Well, I've met some pretty profound teachers out there. Um, K.N. Rao was one of the most profound teachers, and um, um, and my teacher, prof- uh, Professor Shudri, um, always professed that we could 
move the fate from the planets. It's different vibrations of the planets. You know, again, in in at point A, as I said, I think the precedence is pretty much dictated from the planetary alignments. I believe we do have free will, but we have to um, um, raise our consciousness. We have to raise our um, our consciousness totally. Right. And it all changes. It's like that point A or point B situation. Um, how do we react? Or also, you know, um, if we're kind of more detached of all situations, we may see that, that our perception is going to be different and we can run it in a different way. It's like in palmistry, can we change our destiny? Well, in the, in the hands, the planets are in the hands. That's what fascinated me. What I saw was, and I studied palmistry first before Vedic astrology. And I saw, you know, say the pinky finger, it's the Mercury, that's the Mercury planet, it's the Mercury finger. Um, uh, it's all forms of communication. It's our nervous system, reflects our nervous system. If Mercury was, uh, um, had a lot of scrambly lines in your, in your palm, beneath the pinky finger, it would say, well, there's a lot of interference going on and the person's got, you know, frenetic energy. If you look in the chart and Mercury would be in the fallen sign, be in the sign of Pisces. And then again, the ring finger, the sun, you know, the, the dynamism, a, and you could see a powerful sun line beneath the ring finger and the, the finger was long and straight. Go into the chart and you see the sun in a strong house and a strong uh, um, sign. So it was hand wow. in hand, so to speak. That's pretty incredible. That's what fascinated me. Yeah. Then, the teacher I had, we would take handprints and we'd look at the destiny line, one's purpose line, you know, coming up from the base center of the hand, moving directly up, left or right hand, because the left hand for a right-handed person signifies the past, your past, the subconscious, and the right hand for a right-handed person is the uh, present and the conscious and vice versa for a lefty. But so the, right, uh, I'm lefty, so, so right for unconscious. Yeah, and past. And yeah. past. So and then left, left is your present and your conscious mind. But that destiny line we would see, we could see over time in handprints, it would change. How does your line change? You know, the lines would either grow longer or get joined. So we're setting up, you know, are you predestined when you have a handprint at 18 years old or 20 years old and you see a destiny line that's going up and, uh, you know, it branches out and so forth or stops? Oh, it's destiny is going to stop at 42. There's going to be a change in the person's destiny. They may be wondering where their, their path is going to lead them because at 42, the line stops. But then they come back and see you three or four or five years later and you see the destiny line has actually grown longer. And you say, well, so uh, who's setting that? That is you. That is, you know, we are changing our destiny. Life is altering us or we're changing um, through the changes in life and, um, and we're moving forward. So I believe that there's two points of view to that. I think that it was, is it, um, you know, is it fate? And that's our chart, and there's no doubt about it. Yeah, we, we can evolve from our chart, but it's very difficult, in I would think, in the uh, uh, collective world. Right. Because we're, we're kind of like, like in a machinery of doing what we had to have to do, right? It's more mechanical. People wake up, they drive two hours to go to work, and they got the jobs, big money, they have a house to pay. So it's, it's, I think there's less opportunity to change your destiny. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That that's a beautiful analogy. Like the way you just well, a story about the the lines changing on the hand. I mean, that's concrete evidence that uh, you can change your destiny. 
and uh, yeah, go ahead, Anthony. Sorry, I'm, I'm so excited. This is a very interesting podcast for me. Yeah, me too. Because I, I love this stuff. And um, uh, the, best, the best analogy I've always had in my mind is um, subatomic level, like the electron. Supposedly, the electron always follows the path of least resistance, right? But at any point in that path, it has unlimited possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. But something has to act on it. And it's, it's kind of like, and I, I equate that to the human life. Unless you consciously exert your will, your life will follow the path of least resistance as set up by the stars, right? That's and, right. And there's karma involved, which kind of like solidifies that path to, to a certain degree. But at any point along that path, you still have the option to change. Even though it might be difficult, a lot of times it is difficult. And if you don't have the proper planetary like support for that, it makes it even more difficult. But yet, you still have that opportunity at any point in time to make that change, right? So that's, that's what I always viewed free will. You have yep. free will within this kind of confined definition of what your life is based on what the stars are saying. Yeah. But, at the, but I guess what that leads me to is how do you make a radical change in your life? <laughs> take, right. take, yeah. a lot of, take a lot of shrooms. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> a, lot of hard, a lot of hardships come in. Hardships, death. Yeah. Well, if I see, sometimes I see four uh, four planets in a person in, in a chart in the eighth house, and the eighth house is the house of well, death and darkness, but it's the house of troubles, obstacles, addictions, and often enough, you know, a couple of cases they were involved in drugs and and alcohol for a good portion of their life, and ended up in a center. Uh, to get clean, and um, and that's the eighth house energy. But also, eighth house can say transformation. And later on, two of those people that I'm thinking of became facilitators in a rehab, right? And worked oh. with uh, uh, as counselors. And so the eighth house transformed them. It brought them into uh, you know to the uh, the darkness of uh, of the uh, addiction, and they could have made to stayed there for the rest of their life. And the, the higher octave of that eighth house was, you know, the mysticism, mystical health, transformational health, and uh, and that's where it took them in the second part of their life. Hmm. Yeah, and um, just going back to a couple of things that, that were brought up, um, and going back to the uh, normal everyday person who goes, how the hell is a hand the same as the stars? Um, <laughs> for, for thousands of years, you know, everyone has known this and it's been proven by, by fractals and the Mandelbrot set that the universe is fractal as above, so below. Uh, everything that you see around you is, is just a re- reiteration of itself. So there is really no difference between the, the human hand and the, and the stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just how you read them just changes a little bit. And, uh, and, uh, but their their uh, atomic makeup is is almost is, is terrifyingly similar. Like um, that was that was one of the weirdest things that I, I ever researched. Was like, well, what's you know I looked into what it, what's in a tree, and it's a uh, it you know carbon, hydrogen, helium, and, and and nitrogen. And then I go, well, so a tree is pretty different from a human. So what's in a human? And it's hydrogen and uh, carbon and nitrogen and 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 all that's it's all it's all the same stuff, just different iterations of it. But um. That's an interesting then, point, yeah. Yeah, and then going to Anthony um, with the free will stuff, it, it, it's clear that there's things that are determined. Um, for example, I can only move my arm up a certain way. 
I can't move it like any other way than, than, than that way. So I'm like, I'm locked in my ability to move an arm, but I still have the free will to move my arm. I just can't, I can't do it lightning fast or anything or in a way that my joints won't allow. That's right. And, and so one could say then it's just destined that that's the way it is with your body. Yeah. And it's like, change. exactly. And, and you still have the free will to move your hand as long as it's within these rules, these rules. Yeah. Well, that is, and you know, ultimately, you know, down the road as our molecular structure changes into a higher vibration, maybe you'll be able to do that, you know? And, um, yeah. While we're locked in this this dimension, that's virtually impossible. So that's how the effect of planets um, are as well. And that's for you know back to Anthony's question. I had a teacher in India uh, where I would go to uh, take some time out and retreat, Indian guru, and he would talk about the flow of consciousness. And um, once once or twice, I'd have the opportunity to sit with him alone, and he said. I remember Mo saying this one. He said, if you take the peak of the glacier, the ice, and he said, the ice melts in the spring and it forms a river. And you see this river that we're living in the Himalayas. It's crashing through the rocks over time. It's so strong. The force of this water that has come from the, the peak of the valley or the mountains. He said, that's your consciousness. He says, and consciousness is being pulled down by gravity. He said, and your job here is through meditation and, uh, um, and wanting to evolve is to raise the consciousness. And that's almost as difficult as getting that water to flow back to the source. So what he was saying is that you know, the law of gravity in this, this three-dimensional world is very, very powerful. And it's, it is pulling us down into you know, the level that we are. We want to change or we want to... You know, not have, say, all those reactions, emotions, and things like that. We want to get above them. That's the, he says we have to get back to the source, but it's a work. And the source is? Is the peak of the glacier. So, so yeah. So, and then it, then it becomes, like, uh, very alchemical in that situation because it's like, well, how do we get water to go up there? It's like, <laughs> well, we can make all these pipes and everything yeah. and be all mechanical and technical. Yeah. Like, Or we could just melt the water and it'll turn into... Um, vapor and it'll rise up itself. Well, that's true too. So, so there, it's true. And it's like you said, you know, we're swimming now, we're swimming up the river, and it's almost the, the masses of people and consciousness here. Are, it's that river rapids flowing down, and we're, we're opposing it. And we're saying, you know, like those people are saying, I don't fit in into this reality any, any longer. And I understand what they're saying. I really do. But maybe we need to get out onto the bank. That's and walk through these rapids rather than swim through them so that's pretty much what i think i call 219 a reset year a big reset year with the planets where um what 218 how it hammered people one transit upon another and we're talking about transits like venus has a harmonious transit but not when it's written retrograde venus when it goes into off orbit or an erratic orbit Venus stands for happiness and enthusiasm and joy and harmony. But when it goes retrograde, it's quite the opposite. It's people feeling despondent. The relationship doesn't feel to have any oomph in it. Uh, life doesn't seem to have any oomph. So we had five planets, six planets in retrograde for four months in the summer, Mars, causing also a lot of conflict. And so we don't have that in 219. Nothing is perfect. It's not like, you know... Uh, extremely um, um, 
It's not from one. It's not bipolar. We're going from low to high, but there is a, a chance for us to actually find that door and take it. And that could be about change, but it's very important because of what is coming in 220 and 221 and 222. Saturn conjunct Pluto has caused a lot of upheaval when it uh, uh, was in a connection with each other in the 60s. It was about revolution. And Pluto will and Saturn will bring some form of revolution, um, uh, protest and, uh, and breakdown in our society. Also, if you look in the Western uh, transit, yeah, go on. You meant the 1960s, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Because because uh, not just in America there was crazy uh, protesting going on in France, yeah. um, and it was right when when the Iron Curtain was starting to crack and people were realizing it's like oh dude, there's a lot of bad stuff going on there too. So that's right. And don't forget in the '60s as well with you know um, the um, hippie peace movement and uh, but there was also assassinations of presidents going on Martin Luther King and the Vietnam War. Yeah. This was, you know, so the Pluto Saturn energy is. Um, extreme and that is um, it's coming to a cinema near us and um, what year is that coming again 220 it'll be here at the end of 219 it'll last for two and a half years so so while we're talking about like 222 222 around that time period um, have you heard of the Uranus 84 year cycle yes so that one's really interesting to me. Like, if they go back, and I'm just looking at the dates here. You go back to 1961, Uranus uh, hits, I believe it's the eighth or ninth degree of Gemini, right? That's when, mm-hmm. there, was, that was, that's when there was almost like um, a civil war in the colonies. Right. 84 years later, 1775-ish, uh, is the American Revolution. Interesting. 84 years after that... Um, what years? 1861, original constitution of the Confederacy. Civil War. Civil War, yeah. Civil War. That was a civil war. 84 years after that was World War II. Wow. 84 years after that is 2024. 20, yeah. You so, got it. <laughs> awesome. I, uh, that's exciting for me. I'll be of prime age to be an assistant to the nightmare that, that, that those couple of years will bring. Well, let's face it, we have to have things change because it's, um, we've been under, it's almost like we live in, in the matrix and the waking up is hard to do. This is a... That's uh, a whole different episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if that is true, we can talk about that. And yeah. so this waking up of, of all the control uh, and disharmony, corruption, you know, whatever you want to go down, tick the boxes... That's why, you know, and that's another topic too. That's why Donald Trump is, you know, everyone's pointing the finger at him. What it's doing is stirring the pot, exposing all that has gone on. It's not like he's the only one that's ever, you know, been this way. They just, the other presidents and other politicians have been able to um, um, talk nicer and they mm-hmm. still do the same things behind, you know, bring the people in. So, and the reason I'm bringing that in right now, political structure, is that there will be a re-election coming up in 220, and the United States has a difficult chart in 220 as well. And, you know, and the other thing that you were reading, if you go down, you know, in the Western scope of things, I was reading very interesting Uranus in the sign of Taurus, which will happen later on um, in the Vedic context. But Uranus in the sign of Taurus 
Taurus is the sign for Venus, and Venus is related to money. Uranus came into Taurus in May of 218, and it will last and stay in this sign seven years, and it will, again, not getting confusing, it will also then go into the Vedic um, sign of Taurus uh, a few years later. But this has caused, the, uh, the last time that happened was in the 30s, the Great Depression. And um, you can go back in time over uh, uh, again, it's the planet Uranus, and you go back into other uh, uh, decades and you'll find the same thing. So this seven-year period is going to bring, uh, uh, bring about, with the aid of other transits, such as Saturn and Pluto, uh, in conjunction, a financial crisis of some point in the world. And it's looking like it's headed into the uh, U.S. based on the U.S. chart that I see in 220. So how bad do you think the crisis will be? And I think the specific question is, do you think that um, the banks will fail? Do you think that uh, there'll um, there'll be a a bank holiday, meaning that they'll take the individual's deposits out out of the bank like they did in Cyprus? Do you think it'll get that bad? Yes. Yes. I do, yes. See, I didn't, I didn't uh, hold my breath thinking about it either. No, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, it, it could it be in two twenty two, two twenty three, or right on two twenty? Uh, all of those answers, yes. Um, someone mentioned to me, and I think it's true, but they said they were very curious. What uh, three months ago, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau had uh, talked about they're going to pass a bill that if there was ever uh, a national crisis, that it would this bill would give the banks. Uh, um, carte blanche of taking the money. I think that's already happened. I think Mulroney, I've subscribed to an investment newsletter and they said that one of the last budgets that Mulroney put in, he had a clause in there that if it, if a financial crisis ever gets too, too bad, that they have the right to go in and confiscate the funds for person from people. Yeah, so they're already, it's a preset. Yeah. This is a plan. They know what's going on two years ahead of time and um, uh, or what the plan is. And um, and do they work with astrology? I'm sure that there's um, 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 insights that are given to them, yes. And um, so, okay, so based on that, this is, you know, a preparation to see with people what other choices that they can make. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and need to do so rather than standing at at that door that's open and, and saying, I'm going to come back. Well, it may be too late in two years' time because the house market's going to crash. This is going to be a reset, a big one. And yet we have a chance in this year to make, you know, um, um, plans for it. Before, and some movements, you know, with awareness that could be not just a possibility, a probability somewhere. So it's not to say... The sky is falling in, even though it sounds like it. You know, we need change, and these planets are going to um, um, force it. Force it, because you know what we see is in five to ten years uh, a, a change for the better uh, in a, in a very big, big way. So how is that? You can't change overnight for what has gone on historically in the last two thousand years. So events have to take place, big ones, in order for us to get to that next level. Now, so, so, what, do you, what do you think about uh, cryptocurrency um, and Bitcoin involved with this, um, with this stuff? It, I'm, I'm, it, just so you know, my head's turning, my head always turns from um, 
Like I cannot wait for all this stuff to come crashing down personally because mm-hmm. uh, it, it's caused too much pain and suffering for too many billions of people so far. Since I agree. And, um, um, so when you say stuff like that, I get excited and now I, yeah. but now I want to know the, what the solution is and is, is crypto a, a solution? Uh, I don't believe it is. No, what I've been told. I was hopeful that it was, and it's my, uh, and I can't say that astrologically. I think you could work with it astrologically to make money, but until the system would not, uh, even though it seems that it's going to be outside the system, they're not going to allow people to make um, uh, continuous money this way unless they've been changed or brought down. Mm-hmm. So. Then, and that's the information that I don't have um, clear insight about, although I do know a lot of people and uh, that have, you know, that, and they're pretty high on it, actually. So where I'm getting it is from mediums that I know and other people that have uh, different. So people that have been involved in Bitcoin and have all the insights of how it operates and this and that, they're still quite high on, um, you know, some have lost money now and some have, uh, of one money, but they're quite high, and this is going to be the, uh, um, the, the new money currency and change in our world. And uh, I've been yeah. told that, that, that not yet, not yet is what I've been told. There's just a couple of um, of middlemen between our, our money right now, and one of the big ones is the bank, and then the Fed, and all this stuff. And um, and crypto just gets rid of all of that that whole entire system and, and skips. Oh yeah, it. and it's it like does. it's like if. If the banks are going to are, are going to get rocked, and they will get rocked. People will not use banks if they start if the banks start taking money out of their accounts. Of course, uh, um, then the only other option for for a currency would be crypto. It would just be sitting there. I would say it does make sense, and because I've at first I was very high on it, and then I got information, and that information could be not. Um, it could be just like. Um, say more negative or you know because of the last three months of the crash of the stock market and all that um so that one i'd have to um take a look back and um look on and to get back and you know can we work on an astrology point of view with that well we can work on astrology uh aspect on just about anything like i said earlier when we were talking that even names can be used in an easier vibration when a child is born that's why um you know vedic astrologers in india is why they're in high demand you know and they don't sit um what did my teacher say what can you say to a person how long is your consultation for it's usually an hour so what do you speak about he said, you know, people come to me, they ask their general questions, you know, investment good at this time? No, yes. Um, there's a semi-precious stone I recommend. This is going to happen. They said 10 minutes later, goodbye. And, you know, so what we want is um, um, the information uh, to, so that we can hear it and act upon it. Yeah. You know, and so when it comes into this particular topic, because it's very important uh, for a lot of people, is how now a lot of people said they're willing to downsize, and what can they do with their money? How can they get more money to get out of this system? So, you know, you, we can't go into a situation where it's 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 a prayer and a hope. We want to go into a situation that is uh, you know solid and can grow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the biggest challenge I see in doing that, like you can downsize now. <clears throat> Me and my wife have been thinking of downsizing, right? Yeah. Uh, but the challenge is 
if you downsize and you accumulate some cash, where do you put that cash to make sure you don't lose it like when the shit hits the fan? It, right. Traditionally, you put it in banks because Canadian banks have been kind of rock solid since day one, right? Um, no, no one in Canada can conceive of the idea that the banks would take your funds out of your account. No. Right. But they, we know they've put, already put laws in place to enable that should, should it be needed. So yeah. in that worst case scenario, from what you're saying, that worst case, case scenario is, is a definite possibility after, two, after 2020, right? In, yeah. in that scenario, if you downsize and you raise some cash, what do you do with that cash to protect it? I, I think the only, the, only, the only thing we think of right now is you, you, don't, you don't want to put it in any other assets like real estate because that's going to crash, right? Yeah. So you want to keep it liquid. There's Bitcoin, right? Taking mm-hmm. all your money, putting it in Bitcoin, so that, that's a huge risk. Um, but where else would you put it? Like, did you have any kind of idea about where that money would go? Well, <coughs> we have the idea of, you know, the precious metals. But then right. there's, there are laws that said if there is a crisis that you would have to hand in your precious metals. Yeah, that happened in the United States um, during the Great Depression. Yeah, Some, that's right. Somehow FDR got away with, with just confiscating um, uh, all, of, all of the gold from people. And um, so what, what Americans did was they just buried the gold. And then there was this big fear that after World War II that there would be a huge recession because we're not building tanks and killing people anymore. Um, but there was no recession, and, and it was because these people buried their gold and they just took the gold out. Uh-huh. Really? So bury your gold. If, if, if The second that law goes into place, just bury it. Yeah. And so, think about it. Because it, it, everything will calm down eventually. That's what happens, and, uh, and it's there for you. Well, so, those, are, those are the extremes, and what I've, I've been told two things. That, yes, that picture, that, that extreme picture can be a case scenario. And um, I was just sitting with a good friend um, uh, yesterday and a um, well-known medium and, and a practical thinker as well. And saying that her strong belief is it's not going to get into that crisis. It's going to get bad, but not that bad. Get, that's right. Not so that we're, we're weighing it out. Astrologically, I guess we could say be like the, the Grim Reaper and say this has been this has been building for a long time. This is going to happen. Yeah. Going to rock yeah. us. And it's got to happen. Like they've been printing money for almost ten years, or they had ten years right now, right? Yeah. And the fact that it hasn't happened yet is stuns me um but but i have a thought uh if you put the only the only time according to the law the the way it's written right now that i believe is they can take money or they have taken money like in the cyprus case out of bank accounts Mm -hmm. but if we if if in states they invest in treasury bills or if we invest in government bonds here in canada i don't believe the way the, the the law in canada was specifically written they could take that money. They can only take money that are in bank accounts. So that, that might be a way around it for the intern. Might be, you know, they change laws as they, uh, as they feel, as you know. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, what was I, uh, with that thought, what was I thinking? Oh yeah. I mean, one of the books I have coming out this year is, is titled a world full of lies. <laughs> and, I like go. it. I like it. I like it because that's, that's what we're thinking to put. Like we're selling, um, we, we want to sell the idea of the importance of truth and that truth with, with truth, you can't se- uh, separate that from morality and get people guidelines on how to live a life um, 
more in line with truth, which will make them happy, happier, right? Um, yeah. And we thought that the way to do that is have a Facebook ad that talks about, are you tired of being lied to? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, we must be. We're, you know, how does the soul vibrate when the, uh, our whole existence and, and our history is a lie? Right. You know? And, you know, so how can we vibrate really knowing that this is a, 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 not only a safe place, but a, a, a good place to be in because everything has been um, lied. lied, everything. You know, they spray in the skies. I mean, we're getting off topic a bit, uh, but they're spraying the skies and the chemtrails and people say, well, they wouldn't be doing that. What are chemtrails? What they are? You know, and it's all over. It's all over Europe, and it's affecting people's. Uh, uh, I mean, it's toxic. It's poisonous. And why? The question would be: Why are they doing this? Why are we allowing this? Why are we not investigating what that is? So um, it goes on and on and on. And so my book outlines a lot of this. I mean, as much as can. It outlines even who. I mean, to the point that it outlines that you know. Paul McCartney did die in 1965. You know, the whole music scene's been orchestrated by the um, Tavistock uh, Institute. And um, they've selected which musicians are going to be named famous. And Paul McCartney was taken out. And uh, we have had interviews with um, the biological son, Paul McCartney. Uh, and he, you know, the, the, the makeover, I mean, it gets ridiculous. One could say this is profoundly crazy, insane. But, you know, um, if I, I, I'm talking about this because there's a lady, her name is Anne Walsh, and she's investigated this um, story for five years, and she has a book coming out. She's in New York, um, and uh, the book is about this. And so, um, and it opens up a can of worms because you start thinking about how can that be possible? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you got, um, you got the area on that one. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm, I'm beyond how can this be possible. My, my how can that be possible is, how is nobody believing this anymore? Like right now, like that to me, that that's the, how can that be? But uh, yeah. I had a question about your book. Uh, do you mention, do you talk about fluoride in your book at all? Yes, I do. Okay, cool. Cause yeah, talk about yeah. fluoride, what cancer, you know, sugars and cancer, you, you know, go down the list, you know, fluoride, uh, you know, um, the fluoride, fluoride, fluoridation in the water has been banned in, um, banned in, in Europe and England since 1975. It's banned in China, and and that's where the United States and Canada gets their fluoride from. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's banned in China, and that's where we get our fluoride from. Because we get it from the cheapest distributor, and Canada and, and China makes a lot of aluminum. And in case you were wondering, aluminum is uh, fluoride is a byproduct of aluminum. So that is what you just took a sip of, Anthony. <laughs> also, if you it's test... Filtered water. <laughs> testing on, um, on rats has, has shown um, that um, fluoride testing on rats has showed that after a short period of time, they become very docile and passive. Right. Mm. Well, it was the, that it was partly why the Nazis used it. Yeah. They're the yeah. ones first, first put it. First used by the Nazis in Auschwitz. So, you know, yes, I outlined that in, in the book and, uh, and much more. And a lot of it is takings from other uh, information from other authors and my own information, my own research, because not everyone is going to be reading uh, all those books. And it's so important for people to understand, you know, what's in a vaccination, why, you know, flu shots, uh, why you, you should not be doing this. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a mainstream, you know, people are... 
they don't want to hear these truths. If you don't mind uh, uh, sidebarring and talking about vaccinations for a minute, because um, I've of all of the there, there's a lot of things out there that gets hate online, but anti-vaxxers get the an inordinate inordinate. <laughs> I know it. Tell me about it. I've had the same. It's um because uh you know my my parents didn't know this stuff. They're just fine people. So I was vaccinated and I don't have kids. So I like, I don't have any skin in this game. I just want to hear some arguments. And every yeah. time I, I even mention that maybe I just want to hear the argument for pro vaccine for pro anti-vaccination. Um, for, um, and, and people just look at me and they, and they just call me the worst names in the books. And then they look at these children and they're like, those poor children, they're going to die. And I'm like, I'm like, did, do you not think that people lived beyond like the age of six before vaccinations like people it builds your immune system is what it does but yeah and yeah and how can you vaccinate and that used to be young children now it's like infants i mean you're putting a toxic chemical into it would you put you know uh turpentine or you know paint thinner and it's the same thing you know that's you know without going to it's got formaldehyde and mercury and many other toxins and um Mercury, you know, has a profound effect on our nervous system, just like the Mercury planet. And Mercury is, you know, basically probably highly instrumental in the high case of uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, and um, um, autism. So yeah. And, uh, can we make yeah. a relationship that this could be a possibility without saying this is what, you know, can we, like, discourse, have a discourse to understand what is we're doing here? Plus, plus, it also goes into like the like, why are we vaccinated? Like, cool polio vaccine. Like, I can wrap my head around that. Okay, polio is very bad, but it's like chickenpox, measles. It's like yeah. those aren't those didn't kill me. I had the measles. Like, it, exactly. it wasn't deadly. Like, why do we need to eradicate something that's not deadly? Yeah, and and that only happens once in your life. And most of the uh, polio, um, uh, what was it in uh, the great flu epidemic? Sorry, in nineteen eighteen, but that was. Uh, uh, largely stem from the flu vaccinations. Really? Is there proof of that? Because I'm always looking for actual proof, like um, Justin. Yeah, if you go into a book, uh, uh, Eustache Mullins, E U S T A C E M U L L I N S. He had, and he's he wrote books back from the 80s and 90s, and he had. He wrote the book on the Federal Reserve too, I believe. Yeah. Yes, he did. He's the one that wrote the uh, creature from Jekyll Island, I think. Oh, did he? So he had a lot of um, profound um, um, research in this and um, and uh, information. And I mean, to the point that you say, not only likely, uh, not only possible, but likely. Uh, I believe profoundly. You know, because I've done research on you know the cure for cancer. You know that Royal Rife had. You know, and uh, you know they took away all his um, uh, his, um, his his technology and his work. He had a hundred percent cure for diseases, right? And he ended, and he ended up broken in prison and died. Yeah, from alcoholic. He wasn't even he never drank alcohol. He was just ruined. <laughs> and um, and and the, the fascinating thing because I have a video of four hours of him over here in Colorado, which where I'm visiting. Um, and I was watching, uh, and he was working on a high frequency pitch, 1800 uh, um, uh, hertz, I think, frequencies, which he worked with uh, color vibration and sound frequency, which would uh, then destroy the um, um, uh, the virus. 
and uh, he explained how he did this, come to this idea, and it, it was fascinating. And but he said it got banned to use that frequency pitch because it was the same frequency pitch that AM radios are using, and they won't allow the governments won't allow in that frequency pitch to be shared to devise such a machine. So it's illegal. And it just goes on and on and on. It's just, it makes you shake your head. And so the people that the mainstream people, why do they not want to hear, um, you know, certain possible truths about vaccinations? Well, I guess it's, it's too close to home that would make them, you know, um, feel bad about what they're doing. Why do, um, um, you walk in the house and tell people you're vegetarian, they really get annoyed at you. They'll attack you and challenge you, you know, about you know, the ridiculousness or is it bad to eat meat or something like that. So it's our viewpoint that we don't want um, um, to say that we could be wrong. Yeah, so... Not like a meat eater is wrong. It's just a question that there are different viewpoints, you know. I was a vegetarian for 30 years and, you know, I'd be attacked constantly and, you know, what, and they don't even care. Why are... And so now I'm... I'm, I'm I, I sort of eat both. But why are you vegetarian? I said, well, there's there's a billion people in India that are vegetarian, and there's only, you know, 32 million here. Uh, what makes our way right? Never mind about philosophies. You know, it's like, why is our philosophy right? And it's just a different uh, way of lifestyle or viewpoint. But when it comes to vaccination, it's a lot more important because you're affecting little children and, you know, and the ADDH and, and all of this. What do you think is going on here? And why can't we address, you know, like what we're doing to our kids? If you don't care about yourself, you need to care about the kids and you get enough information. That's all. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so for me, when it comes to the, the, this stuff and um, when I first got out, started talking to people about this and I was getting heavy, heavy, heavy resistance. Um, you know, I used to, I used to blame them all the time. I'm like, you guys aren't doing the research. I still say that. But I, I point them to the right direction for yeah. the good, good information. But uh, I used to get like really upset at them and call them ignorant and she yeah. NPCs and all that stuff. And then I stopped because one of the first keys that you have to understand is is that you have to take complete responsibility for your life. And um, and when you take that uh, that principle into play, you say maybe I'm not telling this wrong, right? right. Maybe I'm saying mm-hmm. something wrong that's that's turning them off. Like, how do I do this properly? Yeah. And, and when it came to the me being vegetarian and stuff, that's kind of like where I'm at with you now. It's like it's like yeah, I'll eat meat, and and I will eat meat in front of people who I know that are just going to give me a hard time for not eating meat. And mm-hmm. I'm not doing it for pure pressure or anything. I'm doing it because I want to show them that you can be healthy vegetarian and not be a dick about it because that's what they think that that vegans are just like these these vegan people and they think that they're better than them it's like no 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 I'm, if i'm gonna go to a barbecue i'm not gonna be like oh i need my gluten-free toothpaste tasting hot dog i i'll eat i'll eat the hot dog and, and uh, yeah. uh no, i understand i've gone through this one and yeah. uh, and, and um we, we want healthy food and animals aren't being um, treated kindly or uh, healthily. So, you know, yeah. and one thing that is a fact and that's all there is to it. Yeah. And the, the key fact to the unhealthy stuff for, for the selfish person, we had somebody on an, a, a few months ago who was like, I, like, I don't eat the meat because the amount of sadness that that animal experienced, you're going to eat that sadness. And he's like, I want nothing to do with that. 
Um, yeah. And that's more than enough for some people. Now, I have another question for you, and this is something that I had to struggle through this summer was you've jumped down a lot of rabbit holes. Um, the number one thing that I always say when you jump down a rabbit hole is to make sure to come back before you talk to anybody. Um, it, it, do you experience that in your life also where you're down in the depths of learning about something, learning about these conspiracies and you're putting all the pieces together and you have the pieces together pretty well. And then, and then you talk to a normal person and you mention a lizard person or something and, and, <laughs> and they look yeah. at you like, <laughs> is they look at you. That is, uh, you know, a non talkable topic for the most. And, uh, um, so the rabbit holes that, you know, some th in writing this book for the last three years, I write about the history of the, the earth or where humans came from, uh, where we got to read this book. Yeah. Based on a lot of information from Zachariah Sitchin, um, mm -hmm. uh, who deciphered the Sumerian tablets and, uh, you know, it was a story about, yeah, there our history and who our ancestors are and those, you know, other beings did come here. They called them the sky people. They were from another um, universe, another uh, another planet, and you know, and and so I liked it. And so when I but when I write about all you know the downfall of Atlantis, you know, and what was Lemuria, Lemuria beforehand, which was there much longer than Atlantis, and the Atlantean energy is the same one that we're bringing again. It's like a, a reliving it. We're reliving, you know, the downfall of times of Atlantis. And so in this story, I mean, fascinating, but when you're writing about how we are behaving as human beings, it's very discouraging, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and so that's when, you know, I feel like down in the rabbit hole because we're at a time when, especially with this, you know, technology, cell phone technology and all of that, it's, it, it's, and you know, the internet, it's just disconnecting people from people. And so they're not even interested. And I, I don't want to generalize say they are not even, we're, we've fallen asleep. Let's put it this way. And, and we're in this kind of context of lifestyle and we can't see that it's any different than it was even 20 years ago or 30 years ago, because it was, we had more free thought, free will. Yeah. And, um, the way that, you know, cause when, when people are, are, are asleep, the way that I, I've noticed that they will wake up and what has been working extremely well, especially with the likes of Jordan Peterson, mm -hmm. uh, Carl Jung and Joseph Campbell is, is that it, it seems like there's people like adventures and they like these myths and stories and things. And if you can get into that mindset where you're telling a story and, and it has, and it has a, a beginning, middle and end and it has, and it goes full circle and everything. And um, that seems to work for people. That's when people start listening. When you start talking about serpents and going into the belly of the beast and stuff, and you just see people's eyes go like, Oh, he's starting to make sense. And it's like, and when I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, I'm like, how is this making sense to people? But, um, it, 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 there's something deep there, and, and that, that's kind of like, that's kind of where my work has been headed. Is that is true? It's a good point. You know, in, like in Jordan Peterson, people can be asleep. It doesn't mean that they're dead. And Jordan Peterson has woken up a lot of younger people with his, you know, uh, his ability to um, speak truth. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, and talk about taking on a politically correct society, and it's okay to do so. And, and all of a sudden, you know, he's got 5 million people, you know, following him. I mean, guess what? People have been waiting for, to be woken up. Yeah. You know, yeah, and great. that is a good sign. Yeah, he is, uh, 
So, that, so that's why like, when, when you say stuff like, like, yeah, it's so disappointing when, you know, it, it's hard, it's hard to talk to so many people. And I remember there's one video, do you know Mark Passio by any chance? That name uh, I don't, uh, uh, no. He's done some good stuff on natural law and, and everything. And, um, um, he's just a good example because when I start talking about this stuff and people are trying to have a conversation with me and there's no way that, that we're talking on the same wavelength. I always just go, go watch Mark Passio. And um, maybe two people out of the, the hundred that I've said to go watch Mark Passio have actually watched Mark Passio. Anthony's one of them. And then a couple of days ago, um, it was some other guy. And the phone call that you get when somebody's like, hey, I watched the thing. I understand what you're talking about now. And holy shit, thank you so much. Um, it, it makes it worth so, it makes it worth so much while. Like, <laughs> It, like just one person is, is more than enough. What gives us a spark, and we want a spark because we feel like we're walking in the night of the living dead, really. That's, yes, yes, definitely. We all we need a, I need a spark. <laughs> I, we need a spark, and, and there's many people that I'm talking with, and, and you know, maybe alternative, uh, they don't have to be alternative uh, healers, and just thinking alternatively, and they're feeling the same. They're just feeling like, well, Nobody listens to me. It's not that I want to be. A, I want to be a part of a community where we're moving forward. You know, there's, it's yes. just like we're in a flat line here, and it's very yeah. discouraging. You know what? You, one of the things you said at the beginning, John, was that a lot of people you're talking to these days feel disconnected. They feel like they're disconnected. I guess from community, right? From other people. Yeah. Now, that's what you're alluding to, right? Yeah, from family. I'm actually feeling that quite a bit myself, and. It's interesting. It's interesting that you bring it up, um, and that's one of the reasons I personally wanted to start the podcast. Because um, using these podcasts, we've been able to utilize the internet to bring people together in meaningful conversations. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to like buck the trend where the internet is feeding this lack of community. Uh, yeah. We're trying to utilize it to build a community. Yeah. And and it's been very successful because like when we get on these podcasts with people like you, it feels like when you're talking with like-minded people, um, it lifts the spirit and the consciousness. It elevates both of them, right? Certainly and, does. But what I've been trying to understand in my own personal life is why I feel that disconnection in the in so-called real world, when I go outside, like, like, for example, I know all my neighbors, everyone's kind of cool, but there's no real sense of community, people hanging out and stuff like that. Right. Right. And I, and I don't know why that's happened. Well, I, I guess I do know. One of the reasons is everyone's working like way too many hours all the time. Right. And they have their family and between trying to, you know, pay the bills, do the work, there really isn't that much time left. I think that's one of the big things that's happening in our society. And, and I guess the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is um, from an astrological perspective, is that part of, of the big change that's coming? Like the communities have to break down. Everything has to break down. The way people communicate with each other has to break down until people have had enough and said, screw this. We want a different, we want to live in a different way where we come together in a cooperative environment. I would, I would say so. I would say that the breakdown of you know, with Pluto and and uh, 
of uh, Pluto conjunct Saturn, but I think it's come from 2012, 2012. where Uranus and, and the Pluto square came in and people were expecting bells and whistles from, or hoping, you know, from the end of Mayan calendar and this is going to be a new era, you know, it's the age of Aquarius. And, and Pluto and Uranus said, well, that can be true. Right. But you got to, there's things that you got to um, shed. You can't keep the same um, um, habits and patterns if you want to kind of move into this place. And it's going to take probably about 15 years from that point up to 227. And, uh, and then we'll have that new lease on life. You know, those politicians have been running the show. They'll be too old at this time to have the same vibration. And, and you know, there's going to be, you know, it's been said, it's been said to me that that's when we'll have more holistic, you know, schools going on and healthcare. you know, there'll be a life of harmony and people will start to also be more alive with it because what we're on is a, is a treadmill and we get caught up in a treadmill and we forget who we really are and who our neighbor really is or, you know, we don't have time, we're busy, everything is speeded right. up. And as you as you're seeing, and so the people, you know, there's a lot of all people are good, you know, born as good-hearted you know, um, uh, humans. But then something changes, and uh, you know, and is it the chart? And when we get back to the chart, I think there's two points of view. I said, you know, Saturn can be mechanical mind, left brain. You know, we have a strong Saturn in our chart. It can be somebody that is just slave driver, their own tyrant, or a tyrant to others. But then if you have Venus in a, a good sign in that same chart, in the sign of Libra, it's very harmonious. But maybe breathe, Venus doesn't get a chance to breathe any, any um, say, more than the planet Saturn. So Saturn takes over, and they forget that other part of them, the Venus part, the caring, the nurturing, the, the ability to um, um, smile and, and, and love life. It's all stern and solemn. So there's two components, or there's many more than two components in, in, in us. And so which one is taking over is, to me, it seems like the mechanical mind one. Yeah. And so um, are they, is it coming to a point, well, the planets worked on us individually and collectively. And do they work in a harmonious way or do they work in, you know, in, in a way that is to cause disharmony? It's, you know, it's both. So we can find the balance. But right now it is in out of balance. The male female is out of balance. You know, it's, it, it's almost opposite. You know, females becoming more male orientated and males becoming um, more female. We need to have the both, the, the yin and yang and bring the balance of it. And, um, and I think the system doesn't care who's in charge. It, it, it's a system at the top as long as it's male energy. It doesn't matter what body you're in. Mm. Yeah, and, that, that's huge. Yeah, right, right there. But then a couple of things. The, the, the first thing, when you, we talk about Saturn being uh, very mechanical, and from uh, my, uh, I like studying et etymology and words, and uh, Saturn uh, in Greek is chronos, which is uh, time. And uh, there's nothing more mechanical than, than a watch. So. Right. Um, that that you said a couple of things that uh, gave me goosebumps here, so I'm enjoying this. <laughs> well, it's, and the vibrational planets. You know, we can go on because we started um, um, this show with the planets. Uh, teacher, I also had um, told me to constantly get on buses or subways, depending where I was, and to study people getting on and off and watch the planets in their faces. 
Mm-hmm. And um, the leading planets, you know, the planets, you know, so shorter stature is mercurial nature and Mars. That's the shortest, and the shortest finger in her hand is Mercury, mm-hmm. pinky finger, and so forth. And, you know, the color of hair and texture. But what he wanted me to get, constant, to, to really embrace and imbibe the, um, the nature of planets, to become them. Mm. And he said, this way, you're going to vibrate with them, and then you're going to understand when you see them in people's charts. And, um, yeah, so multifaceted. And, you know, we are here as human beings, but the Saturn, like you said, the Saturn is the control. You know, Saturn, and, you know... It controls us more than time, you know? And it's connected to body parts, knees and ankles, and uh, and... Our joints, all joints. So look at the knee operations people are having and uh, hip operations and uh, cancers related to uh, Saturn as well. Restrictions, holding in. Yeah, and, and getting back to the, uh, to the male-female stuff that you were talking about, it's, um, it, it's the energy that you're posting out. It doesn't matter whether you're a physical man or a physical woman. It's, it's the, uh, right. the energy. Um, That's right. And so it's kind of done a switch, a switch. I'm going to talk to, you know, younger men and they're kind of lost out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's what Jordan Peterson kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, honest to God, it's time to, you know, they want to, we need balance. That's all. Yeah. And, and, and equality. And, you know, I say we as, as humanity, not me, we as a male. And, uh, you know, you can, you can read my other novels. You can find out what a um, crazy life I had, you know. So and uh, so, I wrote a story of um, my life. At 16, 17 years old. I worked in a psychiatric hospital summer job, worst ward imaginable as a cleaner, and um, and I was doing psychedelics um, at that time. And um, and so you know. It was, and the lifestyle of the 70s and, um, and the insanity of uh, my environment. And um, and it's a great, great story. I mean, people think it's dark, funny, crazy. You know, it's like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, real life. And um, so, you know, we, we have, you know, which planets ruled, you know, insane asylums. Well, I had a planet in the 12th house. The 12th house is psychiatric uh, hospitals and uh, um, prisons. And I had my moon in there. And so moon brought me into an insane asylum. And if I didn't go insane, well, maybe I did, but, um, you know, maybe. If, but, if you, know. if you went on Fox news or CNN, they would call you insane. I, yes. I, you <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wonderful. And, and you would take it as a compliment. As I, I would. would. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, thank you so much, guys. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. I don't belong in this uh, realm that you are in. It's great. You know, it's it, it, so what those people that have come to me and feel they don't feel uh, connected um, any longer, connected to family, friends, feel isolated. You know, it's the same story. It's like, if there's a hundred crazy people and you're the only one that's sane, you know, then you feel you're insane and they're the ones that are um, sane. Well, that, that raises a good question. Are, are you implying that the people <laughs> that are feeling this maybe um, are of, of a higher evolution and that's why they're more sensitive to the change? Yeah, I believe so. Potential for higher ev- evolution. Yes, I believe so. They're more sensitive. They're more prone to their psychic uh, um, uh, powers. Right. You know, and and you know and others are not. 
and we all are uh, have the ability for that, but the others have that wall, and um, and won't let that wall get you know any penetration to it. So these ones, the ones I know, yeah, are super sensitive or intuitive, and um, you know, working on the left side of the brain rather than the Saturn side. Right, but but at the same time, I think what if I was extrapolating everything you said, there's there's these huge changes, these energies coming into the world from the planetary systems and the solar system in general, universal, that's coming in and of a higher vibratory rate um, now. And it's and people that are more in tune, meditate more, they, they feel it and they're going through these changes. But even the people that aren't evolving themselves, aren't meditating, they must be feeling something, right? And if, and if they're not doing anything, there's going to come a point in their life where there will be that crisis, whether it's a disease, whatever. So no yeah. one, no one is escaping this. It's just a matter. No of one time. is escaping. It's just a matter. That's what I, and that's what I realize, or I say with other people that are of like mind about this. Um, it's not that we're waiting for everyone to crash and fall down the hole, but eventually they're going. There's going to be a harshness that's going to shock them. Yeah. And and that's when you know we're going to be able to do more say, of our work or have more of our community t- together. And until then, we got to kind of uh, suck it up and, uh, and, and be hope- hopeful because the hope is being lost. Yeah. You know? and the, yeah, and the care. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, that, I mean, that's the whole thing about, like, I, I try to explain this to so many people about when they're going through tragedy. And it, it's like, uh, I think a good example of, uh, of this is, is just how painful childbirth is. And, it, and it, it's an extremely painful thing. Sometimes a woman even has to be cut open for it to, to work. And, um, and it's like all of that pain, all that disaster, all that near-death experience for the woman. Hmm. And what we get out of that is life, is, is this amazing baby. And it's, right. like, it's like you couldn't have that baby if you didn't go through that. That's so it's right. Like, it's so like, the pain it's, brought you know, that, uh, that life. And so the pain and struggle. Yeah. And, uh, and this is what we are, except <clears throat> I think there's so many that are not aware right now that they're actually giving birth. And, uh, you know, so that's what's very frustrating, you know, and uh, how long is it going to go on for? And so people, it's getting accelerated. I mean, again, the story I get, they, they just keep repeating the same story to me, same story over and over, another story. It's like, it's like a record, a vinyl record, and there's four tracks. And, and society's been trained to work on these four tracks and nothing else. And we got to flip that vinyl record over to the other side and, and, and work our own track. You know, you know, that's, that's the way I've seen it. It's, I mean, it's, it's quite outstanding. It's fascinating. It's infuriating and it's fascinating to see where we're at. And it's exciting too. It's exciting. Well, then, because of exciting. The for change. Yeah. If we put that word hope in that dude, this is just, uh, you know, this reset year of 219 is going to get ready, you know, and get ready. So we got to get ready. Or what are we going to do? Are we going to make uh, a 180 degree change, a 20 degree change? Makes Be open to change. That's all. But, you know, when you ask a question about what do you do with your monies? Well, make this year um, an idea to... Um, Check what possibilities they are. Even if we make more money, where do we put it anyways? Put it. So with, with that thought, 
I think it'd be a good time to like kind of go back and summarize the the timeline for next, like what's going to happen next year to 2000 to 2024. Right. And the reason I take it up to 2024 is because the Uranus cycle, 84 year cycle, right. Because there is potential of a major military conflict in the U S. Um, but let's look at it from perspective of a financial so that we can help people plan for what's coming so that they can be in a better position like after and so that they can help them make this transition. Because as you said, there's going to be people are going to have to make major changes in their life and reconnect with their internal world in, in community. Um, so let's try to give them a roadmap for next year in regards to the financial markets, what they can do uh, to position themselves for the like um, the economic difficulties that's coming in 2020. So we have the, the periods of uh, this year to see it, and I'm looking just at um, chart conjunctions and oppositions and flow of planets. I do know that after the eclipses, which we spoke of, um, certainly don't buy any stock in between eclipses and between the 6th of January and the 21st of January. Um, and then after that, are we good to go? Well, there's always going to be some form of uh, this and that uh, hanging around, you know, uh, in transits that we speak of. Um, but we, you know, again, look to see Mercury retrograde is always, you know, an iffy situation because of, of changeability and, um, and things not connecting. And so the Mercury retrograde isn't so much to do with money, though. But I would say March isn't a good time. You know, a reset after the 21st of January and then to kind of wait it out until as we get into, um, I would believe from May to September are the key points that um, a market could rise this year. Um, when I look at uh, other, say, charts or oppositions, are we having, say, the difficulties that um, we had uh, in the chart last year, one thing after the other, of uh, many planets in retrograde in the summer? The answer is no. So I'm just looking to see a specific time that works, and just bear with me. Sure. Um, looking at the May transits, yeah, May is a particularly good time. Plant-wise, so you could even be thinking of cashing out, or you know, we're looking to see peaks and valleys. So right now we're in a valley, and a big one, and all of a sudden there's been a, a, a slight shift, and it may not uh, take place after twenty-first. So once again, I guess I reiterate is that um, after the twenty-first, it's time to take a look at what you may want to invest, and I would think it would be on a short-time basis, short-term basis. And look at May as, again, a reinvestment period. And you know, I would look at, um, you know, looking for a short uh, uh, investment or cash out around September. Not saying October, November is going to be the total end of all things, it's, uh, but it's starting to happen. And I would say you need to back off. And if you want to get reinterested in, in the stock market, take a look at what a reset applies to that area. You know, can you get in the stock market eventually in, in four months and make anything that is, uh, um, you know, positive? You know, often, often enough, you have to be in the stock market for the long, long term, two to three years, and um, often enough. But um, 
it may be that you have some insights to something else that could work. So again, what we're looking at is a reset's going to take place from January 21st. It'd be an interesting uh, uh, door open to see where you go in February. Bit of a mix-up uh, that goes on in parts of March and April. Confusion, mix-up with Mercury's retrograde, which is a planet connected to our nervous system. And every three months, Mercury goes off its orbit, erratic orbit. And so the retrograde affects people, and they get quite annoyed. You know, it's uh, delays and uh, um, trying to uh, connect with things. It doesn't work. Losing, <coughs> losing items, and um, it's just a big mix-up. And then three weeks later, it um, changes its uh, spin, and it goes direct motion, and we're, we're all back to normal again. So... Um, you know, it could be that this person even decides to sell something in uh, a, a certain stock in March and um, it's time and they do that and the next day it goes up uh, 10 points or something and then they get furious or they could have sold and then you did it. It's just a mix-up time. And it happens, you know, three to four times a year. I mean, flights fly out regularly. Businesses do work uh, regularly. So it's just a matter of being cautious. Okay. And so, yeah. Yeah. But is there a specific, specific time? You know, always in a person's personal chart, there is. You know, that's why I have people that come to me that look at poor investments. We can see these periods in Vedic astrology, the planet periods that um, are not used in Western astrology. And these planet periods are profoundly um, um, powerful. And they can indicate a particular period or six-month period or even a year period, and then we can pinpoint it to even down to a month when it's the best time for money. Okay. If I was to like reiterate back to what you said, the, the main period for reinvestment this year is in May with a cash-out period in September. But yes. At the same time, you're saying that you could get in in January with maybe um, – trying to get out in March where there's a mix-up period, if you have a stock that maybe has some potential, maybe it's been beaten down enough that within the, you know, from January 21st to March, month, month's very short, but there's some potential maybe to make money there. Yeah. And as a stock market guy, I just have to throw in the disclaimer that none of us are professionals. Right. And you trade at your own risk and don't sue us if you... If <laughs> <laughs> Even if you have Thanks, a personal man. chart reading and, uh, you know, then we can sit down and pinpoint. Yeah, I had a story. The lady was in a Jupiter period for six months. Jupiter's very promising and her chart was uh, sitting in the money house. And uh, before she had met me, about six months earlier, she had lost a hell of a lot of money, over 300000 in the stock market. The company wasn't dead. It was a mining company. And uh, she said, do you see any chance of uh, anything coming back to me because I'm dead in the water. I said, during that period, it's, I don't know the markets. And if that company is done, then obviously no. But during this period, it's it, yes. She called me um, three months into that uh, cycle, and uh, she said, I should have called you before, but she said, it's, it's opened up, and I've got half my money back. I said, so what, you've got 150000 from the 300 investments? Yes. And my brokers have told me to stick around. This is a going, growing company. I said, stick around, but don't stick around past the Jupiter period because the next one is Saturn. And um, our, uh, it was an unfavorable period. It wasn't Saturn. 
Yes, indeed it was. And so it was a Saturn period, and it's just going to take away. So don't, and anyways, I didn't hear from her, and it was a year later that she connected with me, and she hung on to the stock. It went up to $400,000 and advised to hang on. She lost it all. Oh, that hurts. I don't trust those mining companies. No. No. Um, so I, I do a lot of uh, promotions for companies, and um, um, I always wondered, it's like, is this mining company really real? Like, how am I supposed to find out if, because sometimes they're in the middle of the, the Yukon territory, and it's like, yeah. who knows if they're, they're just bullshitting me the, the whole time. And then, uh, there's, yeah. um, I got a couple questions for you before we, we get off, and um, I want to know, what's the best books or information to start being able to read for yourself um, and, and get into this stuff. It, as it, you're talking as astrology and palmistry. Yes. Um, profoundly uh, interesting, but not easy book to read is um, uh, by heart, the fall. H A R T. He's Canadian, actually, and he lives yeah. years in, in the states. Just looking for his book. Is it the, the, the light on life? Light on life. Yeah. I, I met him about twenty years ago. Uh-huh. He was a really nice guy, very humble. Yeah, and he studied with the true masters, and uh, he's uh, you know he's very traditional. Yeah. It's not always the easiest book to. Um, there is no easy book in astrology to tell you the truth. And um, uh, I'm not a I'm I'm a Jungian reader, so uh, so maybe David Frawley's book is uh, one of interest too. David Frawley is um, a Seers of um, what is it? I can't remember. Seers of the Stars. I got that one too. Astrology of the Seers. Astrology of the Seers. Thank you. Yeah. I met him up in. Um, I've met all those these guys up in India over times. So I've met some profound their teachers as well. And um, you know which book I found extremely valuable was uh, Astro Cycles and Speculative Markets. Oh, that's interesting. It's, it's written by L. J. Jensen. This uh-huh. is like this is a great book. This is where I discovered uh, the eighty-four year Uranus cycle. Wow, that is a yeah. key point because I I didn't know that the Uranus cycle. Yeah, I mean I knew it was eighty-four years, but I didn't know um, the uh, happenings of it. He he looks he looks at um, the universe as uh, being vibrational, right? That's the general premise. And not only do they look at um, the planetary cycles, they look at the sunspot cycles. Which, wow. which which they think is like the sunspots what gives the whole system energy or moves energy right huh. um, so there's the reason I came across him is he he was supposedly was a personal uh, astrologer for uh, W D Gant right Gant again Gant was one of the legendary uh, trader at the turn of the century who evidently made most of his money using astrology right and this was his astrologist so he has a couple of books out there that are exceptional that I, I would recommend huh now there's some exceptional uh, uh minds out there what they've absorbed and what they pick up right and, uh, and there's also a, a gentleman called bradley cohen okay him i've heard of yes he's written a series of books where he looks it's not a 
it, it's planetary uh, impacts on the markets, but it's not from a traditional astrology perspective. He looks at it from um, a geometric perspective, how the planets build geometry. Wow. And he, he has extensive uh, volumes on all, on all that. So and he thinks that that was more the process that Gan used for trading, not straight astrology. But I think he used both because both of them work. But that wouldn't make sense, you know, because there's so many type of systems, you know, straight astrology, and someone can read it well, then and they use it, they can work with their own intuition, you know. Yeah. Um, because that's how I I work it without knowing it, you know. Uh, I had uh, a traditional astrologer, and I'm not of the traditional way. My teacher uh, took it; he circumvented some things, right. and he got ostracized for that. But then they'll ask me about that chart, and uh, they said, you know, where did you see that? How come you said that? You know, and, and, and it was accurate. And where did you see it? And I said, ah, I can't see it anymore. So something talked to me, you know, at that yeah. point. So someone is working with, intricately so, with the planets and the stock market. They did, they have, a, you know, it's just a, a step above where they're connected. And they're more right on than not. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's I like to biggest, get there. I like to get there in that area. That's the biggest thing too is um, is the negation of of oh, it didn't work this one time, therefore it never works ever. And it's like when you're in the stock market for years, you go, you you look back and you go, I lost way more than I won. It's just what do you do when you win? Like you got to make sure to to build up those those wins. Um, yeah. Make more money on the wind and cut your losses as quickly as possible. That's, That's right. where the money management side comes in. You got to limit those losses. Exactly, and it's like it's like to say that oh, if this didn't work once, it's like that you didn't test it enough, buddy. Like, That's exactly right. That's what I'm doing with um, you know the books I have on on horse racing. You know, when I lived in Ireland, I'd have my weekend Saturday. I'd like to go down to the the pub, have coffee, and. Um, and make a few bets across the street the uh, the bookies. I mean, that's the way it is. That's life's style. And often I would win. But I'd, I'd go out there when my chart was in a positive frame. The movement of the energies were good. <clears throat> I always had good intuition. But then I got a hold of this book that said, you know, you know how you can um, um, make it happen for you, uh, just like the stock market, mm-hmm. using astrology. And that's a study, and you're right, because you go there, and you can bet minimally, just like you could put a, a low stake in the stock market, and it doesn't work. Well, it comes close to working, but and then you look at it, and you say, well, okay, I see that. I had four out of five horses, and I didn't get the fifth one. Why? Because the fifth one, there's no way that one should have showed up. And, you know, maybe in another day, I would have said intuitively, I like that horse, and that's simple as that, and you win. So, so, you know, it's a law of averages, but what you say is you want to see that, you know, once, not once in a while, that you can go in for the big score, and yeah, you may take some losses, but you have a system that you know, and it works for you. Entry and, and exit points. Yeah. You got to know them before you go in. Yeah. So, John, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, we learned a lot. I, I could actually talk to you for another, like, day or so. But I, know <laughs> yeah, I was holding my tongue so hard at the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> But thank so, God it found my headset. It was a pleasure to be on. Hope it was uh, it's going to be good for the people that listen. I'm sure it will. Uh, I, I just forwarded to you um, a PDF on a book called How to Play the Races and Win. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, this is written in the 1930s. It was one of the I books like that. 
It was one of the books I came across when I was researching um, uh, W.D. Gann. And I'll, I'll send you some of the PDFs that I have on Jensen, too. It's really interesting stuff. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks so much for being on Spiritual Hustle. I hope you enjoyed our discussion with astrologer John Fife. Before the podcast started, we had a long discussion with John about financial astrology and what he saw coming for the markets in the year 2019. We've included that discussion as a bonus at the end of this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Basically, it's the Dow Jones I heard went up a thousand points in one day. So I would think that it's going to uh, get people jumping back on uh, the the bandwagon, the the short investor and type of thing. So this is, um, it's to me the last year that that's going to take place. At least there's going to be an increase rather than a crash right now. How long that's going to stay is iffy for this year. Yeah, I'm a, most of my stuff is focused on helping people make money so that they can um, have the time to study things that actually matter, like astrology, like spirituality, and uh, and all this stuff. And um, I use the stock market to do that. And, and that's uh, yeah. I, I said the same thing to Anthony, except um, I didn't know that you had said that to him also. Uh huh. So it's uh it's in line with what with, with what everyone's kind of planning. Yeah, you know what happens as well. Then you know, and it's a good idea what you're doing. It's great. You know, help people get some um, extra cash so they don't have to always be constantly buried in working in jobs exactly. they don't like. Yeah. And so to help them understand this year is, I mean, it looked like people get on the bandwagon, they get into the panic, and they all began, obviously, to sell out stocks in, um, in October, November. So when there's a, a, a sudden rise with the Dow Jones, maybe other stocks, people will start to get a little more comfortable because when there's a panic, everybody's selling out. And uh, so what is needed after the eclipses of January, I would think there would be a, um, an opportunity for uh, the final, I call it, reset before, you know, next year comes in and i mean is everything going to crash i don't believe so i mean people have um i believe the dollar a u.s dollar is going to go down and i think there's going to be a financial crisis and when there's those things at play there's going to be um people losing a lot of money and there's other people going to be making money yeah and yeah. we want we want to we want to help people make money yes so, so maybe maybe that's what we focus on we focus on um the financial markets when we talk about uh, 2019. Yeah. So I've been looking at that because of uh, certain questions coming at at me. And um, so we will talk, we can talk about that. I, it is, I mean, I was, uh, I was also of the thought, uh, here we go. Saturn is getting close to Pluto. These are the two transits that are coming in 220 and 221 and 222. They last a long time. Yeah. Years. Um, so, but right now they're getting close. So as they're getting close, just before they meet, Saturn retrogrades and goes back. So I said, oh my God, this is starting to happen already. I thought it was going to be 220. So it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then, it, uh, so those next four months are going to be interesting to see what happens. But I know one thing after May, there's going to be a window, I would believe, up until November uh, of your investments going up till, till May of this next, year or next from year? May, from May, from May, from May. And it so could September? be, yeah. 
Uh, that's exactly what happened in 2007, 2008, just so you know. Okay. Yeah. That's exact. Cause I remember it. I was 14,000, um, that summer. I was really paying attention to it back then. Uh-huh. Well, that one paid full attention. I mean, it could be iffy January this month with eclipses cause, you know, some shadows and, um, interference, but there's not a whole lot of, um, planets at play like they have been in 218 where uh, two, yeah, 218 where they've been hammering us one day one week after another and so in this case it may take that month to have a reset after the 21st then they think uh, well we got to take a look because of uh what you just said of 2728 so i can do i'm going to do another uh, further study on that and i can give you uh, maybe some more personal detail Cool. Um, yeah. Um, so, how come you, you don't trade then? Do you well, know anyone who trades off these? Uh, I've had some people that work with me, yes. And um, um, I find the stock market a little um, tricky. So, uh, once in a while, what I do is uh, I take the astrology chart on horse racing. Uh. And. Um, Every horse has a constellation through its name, and every human being actually through their name. That's why in India, um, the parents will go to the Vedic astrologer to get the um, uh, the three uh, phonetics of, based on the birthday of their child, so they can have that abbreviation to start with their name. For instance, my where my planet, where the moon is when I was born, comes in the constellation of the, the initials of or the abbreviations of CHA. So my name would have been a better vibration been called Charles or if you're in India, the name of Chandra. And so a horse also runs on a vibration through its name and a constellation. So it's, it's very intricate, but it's fascinating. And I know some ancient sages had these books out and I was very fortunate to get copies of these books and, um, it was working on, uh, angles of, um, of making money through you know, basically uh, astrology. You could work on it. If I had the uh, four with all, I would be working, you know, uh, the insight of stock market. I would, uh, I'd be working with stock market for sure. Hmm. Meaning that if someone had the insights of, uh, of uh, I mean, just telling me how the stock has played out in the last year or two or why it's interesting, then you could more than likely work out again, the abbreviation code for that, um, uh, that company name. Hmm. And is, um, would it matter when, when the company became incorporated? It was always helpful. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. The date that's like their, their birth date. And then you work out the chart based on that. Hmm. Well, we got stuff to talk about after the podcast. Then. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's time to, uh, um, cause I think, uh, I, well, for one thing, I think, and Anthony should have told me about a book that of a guy who just traded on, uh, the stars. And then, um, um, I'm always looking for a cool angle to do online and, and if, um, doing astrology and, and making money in the stock market and, and just being like, it's all up there. Like that would, that would crack some eggs in some people's brains and go, Oh shit, there's something here. Yeah. Um, because there's I know yeah. people in the stock market in New York are working with astrologers. That's not surprising. That's yeah. not surprising. That's and I don't know of them personally. Yeah. I remember the, the when I was first getting into astrology, um, you know, everyone was making fun of me and stuff. And, and this is something that we got to talk about also in the 
um, it, you know, it's it, the negative connotations. And um, I just li- I looked at them and I was like, I was like, when the when it's a full moon, does weird stuff happen? And they're like, uh, yes, like the police forces out more. Like they're they're people consciously aware of this. So clearly, stuff in the sky is affecting us. And the moon's not that big, but it's pretty close. Yeah. It's like, why why wouldn't the rest of the stuff ex- ex- uh, affect us? And, uh, and and people sit there and they you know, but um, yeah. anyway, so they, they, they can't get past just that area. I mean, the moon's affecting the tides, and farmers yeah. plant on a new moon. Why? All superstitious, you know. I mean, come on, you know, like you know, they they know they know these things. And but people in, in on the moss in general don't want to know. Like last night, yesterday afternoon, someone called me friend and he was talking about, and they always ask for hints or tips. Hockey game last night. That's what, what do you want to know? And uh, so the, the Islanders or New York Islanders are in Toronto. Toronto's been winning a lot of hockey games, and uh, I did the chart, and they said Toronto loses tonight. <laughs> and they lost four nothing. So you know, it's not a hundred percent, but it, it got a high high percentage because you can make errors in your calculations because you're looking at that many variables. But this one, I said, that's an interesting one. I could see it being a close game, but I could also see it being a, a, a victory uh, and not that close. And that's what I saw as a variable. And um, and so there it is. And. Uh, so when we're looking in, you know, stock market, it would be, I would think, simpler by having, you know, uh, the peaks and valleys of, of what the chart is, uh, the chart of the year is saying. At least we'll know which months to be very cautious about, which uh, months to uh, be hopeful. Um, this is, uh, it's going to be a very interesting or tricky year. Um, but I believe that there is an opportunity, as I said, from May to September of um, of that time to cash out in whatever stock you have. And then again, what happens in 220 and 221? Is it which is it all stocks? It's the whole market going to crash? I mean, or which ones would you kind of hold on to? I and mean, there's a lot of pot stocks, marijuana stocks. Yeah. They're they're going to go up high. But what's going to happen? Some are going up high, but none are going up high in the last two months. You know, there's yeah, they've been uh, sinking and sinking and sinking. So I guess there was a sh- the short-term investors wanted the, the you know the uh, the profits. Uh, the very yeah. So now the problem because, with those, yeah the, the problem with those companies is um, you have Tilray is it's a ten billion dollar market cap company. Um, it only produced forty five hundred kilos of uh, of marijuana last year in twenty eighteen. Forty five hundred kilos. Um, to, to put that into perspective, an average grower who grows illegally, illegally, yeah. illegally, um, they're, um, they produce about 500 grams. So a $10 billion company is only producing about uh, nine times more than just a basic normal grower. And, wow. uh, and then on top of that, Canopy, um, they lost $50 million worth of marijuana uh, plant because they don't know how to grow weed. Right. And, uh, yeah. and the, it's a whole mess with those pot stocks right now. Right. So and there's one company who's who's the one that, uh, I can't remember which one's trading at fifty two dollars or something like this. That would be that's uh, Tilray's at seventy eight now. Seventy eight. Yeah, and it was over one twenty before it went uh, uh, before it went legal recreationally in Canada. Well, and then there's a, a company that people were talking highly about, but it doesn't seem to be working. Aurora. 
Mm-hmm. That's another garbage one. Yeah. yeah. These guys are going to be remembered as my, the MySpaces of, of that, uh, that industry that it, it's, uh, it's a total mess right now in Canada. So the, so the company Aurora and I mean, it, it never really even peaked past 12 or $14. And, but even a company that's trading, it, it has, um, trading at $120 till raise $78. I mean, and they're only producing such, uh, volume. Pathetic amount of quantity. Like, and they don't even know how, um, they, they, um, canopy lost, uh, when they lost all that, bud. it was because they're growing it all, all outside and it got cold out. And somebody asked them, well, why are you growing uh, marijuana in Northern Canada in November? And yeah. it's like, it doesn't even cross their minds. They're just trying to grow as fast as possible. And it's like, it's like you're, you're, you're farming a plant. Like you have to think like this isn't manufacturing, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's a, wow. It's, I mean, what, I mean, so what, people are not investing in these companies at all. Well, after those, the, those issues. And then plus like what you were talking about with the short term investors, just taking that ride up uh it, it, over the summer everyone's yeah. just pulling out and waiting for for the round two companies to come in and uh uh-huh. the, the companies who are because the biggest issue right now is that um to legally grow bud in um in canada you have to have like a hundred thousand square foot facility you need to have all this stuff and all the best growers in canada don't have that stuff and don't ever plan on getting that stuff they just they're just going to continue growing illegally because yeah. They, they can't meet the requirements. And then, so now there's a company coming out that's called Pasha and, and they're rounding up all of these tiny growers and putting them into one um, growing facility. So you're getting all these like craft, they're like craft growers, like craft brewers. Yeah. And, and these guys are amounting for like 90% of all the marijuana that's being grown right now. Really? Uh, they're all being funneled into one pretty decent company. Um, so that's the hope for, for marijuana right now. Huh. I've heard of that name, Tasha. Yeah. yeah so the fifth, fifth leading um, retailer of uh, cannabis in, in Canada right now. Right.